Hi, my name is Pete Scazzaro. I want to welcome you today to the Emotionally Healthy Leader Podcast. And our theme is actually a part two, staying grounded in the high stakes of leadership, staying grounded in the high stakes of leadership to part two. And it's based on Jesus being tempted, tested by Satan uh, in the wilderness in Matthew 4, Luke 4. And uh, I just pray God meets us today. It's a privilege to be with you, and I pray wherever you are listening to this, that the Lord may meet you uh, in this great text. I want to begin with a story of uh, this past week. Jerry and I have been in the midst of doing some renovations in our house. Our house actually is uh, 99 years old. Uh, we've been in about 25 years, uh, built in 1919. And in this, on our, on our house, uh, we were we put some siding up. We had some group putting in um, uh, siding all around the house, and we have a porch uh, in the front, a cement porch, that of course is very old. I'm not sure it's a hundred years old, but it's probably at least fifty uh, to sixty years old, and it's a cement uh, porch. And uh, as they were putting up the siding, they had to take off this old siding that had been on you know since before we got there. And the uh, contractor came to me and said, uh, do you realize that your porch is collapsing? And I said, really? And he said, yeah, and he, he showed me underneath because now he'd, he'd removed the old siding. And he showed me how the there's these three kind of pillars upon which the porch was resting, and the middle pillar had sunk into the ground and separated from the porch itself. And so there had been, I had noticed a crack in the column above it, and I had said to him, hey, when you uh, do the siding, would you mind putting a nail uh, to, you know, the thing was kind of breaking apart in the um, uh, pillar, and I'm thinking just, you know, my analysis was, hey, uh, something must be wrong with the wood, uh, just, you know, bang it together with a couple of nails. And uh, he said, this is really serious. He goes, if we had not done this, the next, you know, your, your thing is sinking. He actually showed me a crack that I thought was just a bad paint job that I had done uh, each time I painted the uh, porch. He said, no, no, this, there's actually a, a little crack here that's growing in your porch. And he says, yeah, within five or 10 years, this thing was going to collapse. And so I was like, oh my gosh. Uh, so the whole porch had to be lifted up and, and uh, you know, properly, you know, put on a pillar so it wouldn't collapse. And so I thought, what an incredible image, because as far as I was concerned, just put some beautiful siding on it, it looked good as new. Uh, meanwhile, the thing is collapsing. And so much of that is like leadership, isn't it? I mean, we're, we can look shiny on the outside and just do a quick job. Uh, sometimes ch- our churches are looking good. Our leadership looks good on the outside. But actually, there's cracks. And the foundation is not set uh, properly. There's actually a gap between our roles of what we're doing externally and our souls internally. Uh, and that, in fact, that, that gap often widens with time uh, if we're not reflective. And before we know it, there's a collapse. And sometimes it happens uh, in the, our 20s or 30s or 40s. Uh, sadly, uh, if we don't tend to those gaps or cracks uh, and look underneath deeply and do the hard work of laying another foundation in areas where we've not laid it properly, uh, it's, it, there, there's collapses that happen. And I'm amazed at watching people who have a long history all of a sudden have what seems like a sudden uh, miss or collapse, or misjudgment, but actually, as you go into it longer, you realize, no, this has to be going on for decades, but was hidden, uh, even to themselves sometimes, because they, they wouldn't take the time to be aware of it, and uh, it all came to roost. And so, 
this theme of Matthew chapter 4 of staying grounded in the high stakes of leadership, uh, it's being staying grounded over the long haul that makes a difference in our lives. And it, the Bible says very clearly the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. Uh, he learned obedience from what he suffered. We learned that in, in, in Hebrews chapter 5. Uh, and so we learn obedience. We mature through, through suffering, through testings that God allows in our lives to mature us and grow us in our leadership. And that involves being tempted by the evil one, uh, which he intends for evil, God intends for good. But we all walk through the same temptations. Or, or they're the same for everybody in the sense that the general themes in this inexhaustible test, but text. But the way it comes at us is different at different seasons of our lives. So it's different for me now in my early 60s than it was for me in my 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s. And I'm sure it's going to be different than my 70s and 80s or 90s. God gives me the grace. And so here's Jesus in this text. Uh, he is our second Adam, it says in Romans. Uh, he joyfully and willingly embraces the limits given to him by the Father. He doesn't go beyond them. He models for us a life in the Holy Spirit and how we're to live it. He, he lives within the limitations of being a human being. And as far as we know, uh, the first 30 years of his life, Jesus uh, was faithful as a son, worked his job, uh, attended synagogue, uh, fixed our prayer three times a day, and uh, and didn't do miracles or many miracles. We don't really know of any miracles he did uh, prior to the beginning of his ministry. And so the, his ministry begins with uh, his baptism at, at he, he enters our world as, as if he were a sinner. He's not. He's going to stand in our place. The judge is going to be judged for our sins. But he, he allows himself to be baptized by John. Uh, and, he, and the Father's voice speaks from heaven, uh, you are my son whom I love. With you I'm deeply pleased. And it's a picture of the gospel, isn't it? Christ who died for us, that now the Father looks at you and I, and we stand before God in, in, in Christ, in his righteousness, and and I'm loved, I'm chosen, and heaven's open for me now uh, through Christ and his blood that was shed for me. And the Spirit's been given to me and God's word over you and over me is I love you. And it sets me free. Uh, I like the message version. You are my son marked by my love, the pride of my life. And so the, the revelation I want to spend time on here to, to, to keep the cracks from opening in our lives has to do with the, the approach of the temptations around the issue of limits. It's a revolutionary truth. Uh, in the Gospels and all of Scripture, because the original temptation of Eve and Adam in the, in the wilderness was to deny the limits and cross it. If you remember, the devil said in Genesis 3 to Eve, you won't die if you eat, for God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. And it was a cross. God had set a limit. You can eat of all the, all the trees in the garden, but this one tree you're not to eat. And God set a limit, and he put it right in the middle of the garden. God puts limits in front of you, in front of, in front of me, uh, that we are not to cross. And when we cross those limits, we end up in enemy territory. Even Adam's crossing of those limits in Genesis 3, we're still living out the, the implications of that today. You know, it's been rightly said, the opposite of love is not hate, but power. And, you know, Satan is a seducer. He's a splitter of relationships. He's a tempter. And so we see in the first temptation— uh, Satan comes to Jesus and says, turn these stones to bread if you are the son of God. You know, basically you're a loser. Uh, if God were with you, if you, you know, if you were really a Christian, you'd do something. Uh, and Jesus is at a point of weakness. And, uh, you know, Jesus, you know, you'll die of hunger here. Take charge of your life. Look at your life. You've got hardship. You've got discomfort. You're born in a stable. You're a refugee in Africa. 
your family's obscure, this tiny town, you're unrecognized, 40 days in the wilderness. You have needs and wants, and the Father doesn't seem to be meeting them for you. How can he say, how can you say he loves you? How can you be the Messiah? You've got so many problems. And, uh, you know, Jesus just, he, 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 do, he doesn't, it's a, he, Satan's tempted by Satan to cross that limit and, and turn those stones to bread, but he doesn't do it. And, and he waits. God got him into this. He waits in the Father for the Father's long-term plan. And then the, the second temptation is Satan takes him to the highest point and says, you won't even stub your toe if you jump from the temple. God will catch you. He uses the Bible, but he misuses the Bible. And the devil takes Jesus higher and higher into pride, just like for all of us. And the Spirit leads Jesus back down uh, to the wilderness, to suffering, to temptation, to the cross. The way of the spiritual life is downward. It's inward and downward. And pride is a rejection of limits, uh, being dependent on, on God. You know, the whole word humility, hummus, is being grounded in who you are, being grounded in where you come from. It means literally to be brought low. Uh, that's why, for for if you look at, at ancient church history, the cultivation of humility was one of the major themes in uh, the first, you know, early centuries of the church. You don't see much of that in Western culture cultivating humility. But many of us are not grounded. We're, we're too high, and we end up in trouble. And 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 the, and, and the picture for so many of us, we we think we can accomplish way more than we can. And I, I know for me, God sends sticks and sometimes stones and taps me on the shoulder, sends me messages and words, and I don't even listen. And, and then sometimes he's got to drop a nuclear bomb to get me grounded, to get me back down, uh, and, to, and to, you know, you'd be, get by the, the get grounded where I say, okay, God, not my will, but your will be done. You know, our culture, Western culture, resists limits, uh, hates limits. I mean, I just think of you know my country, United States, you know the Western frontier and outer space. We're going to break the speed of sound and drop people on Mars, and you know we want we don't want to take no for an answer. I mean, you can find books on you know living without limits, and uh, but yet we've got enormous limits. You've got limits. I've, every human being on Earth has got tremendous limits. We're creatures. We're not God. But just think with me for a moment of the family you were born into. At a mo- the moment in history, the country you were born in uh, is a limit. Uh, we all come out of our family histories with scars, uh, all of us, and we have limps uh, in us and, and vulnerabilities, deep vulnerabilities. Uh, we have physical limits, our bodies. Uh, some of us actually have some of us have, have physical or emotional disabilities, uh, but our, our bodies need sleep. Uh, that's a limit. You know, we need to eat and and you know go to bathroom and and we just we have limits and you become increasingly aware of them as you grow older. And you know, we may take care of children. We're all taken care of by people in the early days years of our lives. A diapers change and and if you live a long life, you'll be taken care of by others before you die. Uh, intellectually, we have limits. I mean, even the most brilliant people I know. Don't know everything by any means with photographic memories. Then we have emotional limits. I mean, how much I'm a high extrovert. I love people. I get energy from people, but I have a limit of how much I, I can take. I know people who are even more extroverted and less so. If you're married or if you're single, that, that's a limit. I mean, if you're married, you've made a vow, that's a huge limit. I mean, uh, now the limits of your spouse are your limits as well, besides the ones that you bring into the table. And that informs now every decision you make and how you lead. Uh, the limits of your spouse, and uh, if you're if you're single, that's a limit. And 
Uh, you may have more freedom in certain areas, but you've got a community that you're a part of uh, and of some close friends. That, that takes a lot of energy to build, and it's very important, and that's a limit. Um, if you're a single parent, that, that's a limit. Uh, if you've got a special needs child, uh, that's a limit that, given by God, uh, your relationship skills, personalities, uh, all, all our personalities have different angles to them, but they all have gifts to it, but there's also you know weaknesses to it as well. We all have talents. You may be a really talented person. Maybe you've got, you know, you've got 10 talents, uh, but you're not Jesus. You don't have them all. Uh, and even your gifts of the Holy Spirit, I, I know some amazingly gifted uh, people, amazingly talented people. But as you get close to them, you realize, oh my gosh, they're really limited. Uh, they've got some large weaknesses uh, and vulnerabilities. Your economic status is a limit. I mean, uh, you may be very, very rich, but your riches have a limit. Uh, even the wealthiest people have limits. Uh, it doesn't middle class, lower middle class, lower class, uh, poor. We all have limits, you know, economically. We've got to manage. I mean, death is a limit. We we're all going to die. No one has escaped uh, death. Uh, that is an incredible limit. You will age and you will die. I, I like in the rule of St. Benedict, uh, where he says, day by day, remind yourself that you are going to die. I told a group of young pastors uh, just the other day, do you remember any pastor who pastored in your city 50 years ago? Uh, and we, these are all New York City pastors. Do you know anybody who was pastoring or any church from 50 years ago? And they said, no, they didn't remember one pastor 50 years ago. And I said, that's how it's going to be 50 years from now. No one's going to remember you either. So get perspective. Remember, you're going to die. The kingdom of God's going to move on. I mean, that's a limit. Uh, we're not God. So these limits are, 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 are a gift. These are the hands of a friend. And Jesus understood the Father's limits for him in the wilderness as, the, as Satan was tempting him to cross those limits and get into his arena, that these were hands of a friend pressing him to a ground into safety so he could stand. The temptation of Jesus in that wilderness was skip limits, skip hunger, skip death, skip the cross, the long-suffering road, uh, the slow road, skip it all. Uh, the same temptations come to you and come to me. Skip it. When we don't live by our limits, we make things happen. We take charge rather than live by the Spirit. Uh, you know, we push our own agenda. And when we don't live by limits, we hurt ourselves, we hurt other people, we, of course, hurt the work of God. That's why Jesus, I love and uh, when he says, I only do what I see the Father doing. Uh, that's the works that, that I do. He, he, again, he pressed in those limits. And, and at this point, he hadn't even begun his ministry, but this was, he had to get, he needed this time of testing before launching into this huge ministry. And, uh, you know, he, it's so interesting, he comes out of the wilderness, at least in the, in the account in Luke, and he's so centered, he's so anchored, because he's been tested and, and he's learned obedience. And so he's been freed by so many, you know, other, you know, what people think, et cetera. And so he comes out in Luke 4, announces he's the Messiah, and people want to throw him off a cliff. They want to kill him. But he's at peace. You know, he slips through the crowd and you know, he's going to do the Father's will. But but he's been he's learned in the limits of the wilderness and trusting the Father that he's going to come through for him. Uh, he's learned obedience from what he suffered, which is what he wants us to learn as well. And and you know, despite the, the the myth of Western culture, American culture, I cannot do whatever I desire. There are roles and relationships that I can't do, and where I, I thrive, and others where I wither and die. Like I, I wouldn't be a good CEO of a company. You need a lot of tough poise. You, 
uh, is a certain kind of person that can juggle all. I can juggle, you know, a good number of balls, but but uh, I know some CEOs. I know some pastors and leaders of very large churches that I just couldn't do that. Um, just built differently. Uh, a lawyer, an accountant. Uh, I was at one point thinking about going to law school. I started studying in my early years before I became a Christian. I was like, I don't want to law school. I was like, I, I don't like this detail at all and the kind of work it requires. Um, you know, New Life Fellowship, I was, I, I was its greatest gift when I founded it. I was also its greatest liability because of my limits. Uh, but it was freeing. I mean, that, that, that was, God was in that. And, uh, and coming to a place of embracing my limits and the size of that and uh, always aware that God was in this. There was an evil one tempting me to compare myself to other people and, hey, look at this guy down, you know, on the other side of town. And uh, even in my writing, you know, I've written a few books, but uh, I don't have the capacity to write a book a year. Uh, it takes me years, you know, and it's slow and uh, it's just comes out of my limits, uh, my gifts and my limits. Uh, the amount of emotional energy in people I can handle uh, is a limit, just the way I operate. And so staying grounded is uh, is is being able to say, in a content way, thank you, Lord. Uh, some of us, we're, you're listening to me, you're exhausted physically, emotionally, maybe financially, relationally. You know, it's a great truth to just, if you get nothing out of this podcast, this may be it. You know, when you're leading, you know, for Jesus uh, and giving out, life is going out from you. Think of when that woman with an issue of blood in Mark uh, 5, she touches Jesus and says, Jesus knew that life went out from him. And he says, who, you know, who touched me? But as we serve, whether it's speaking, uh, praying for people, whatever it might be, you know, representing Jesus, we're giving ourselves, we give life out, the life of God in us. But, but again, I'm not God, so I have limited life in me. I must receive out of which I give. And some of us, we're so overextended, we're giving and giving and giving, but we're not taking in enough to the amount that we're giving. And so that's why... Uh, we talk about a rule of life, things like Sabbath and drinking of God and doing things that replenish us and delight. But uh, it's a limit. Thank God for your limits. You, you're not. You're not God. Life goes out for me. It's got to be replenished. Um, I recognize even in terms of our ministries and you know my ministry. I know that I I used to think that our church needs to do it all, or I need to do it all with people. I mean, I'm I'm one piece of people's discipleship. There's lots of other pieces, and our church may get somebody on unstuck. Or on frozen, uh, I may put a seed. You know, someone else may do something to help them increase. But it's God who it's God who does it. God who gives the increase. God converts a person. God actually is the one who changes people. We have little pieces along the way, um, but we're we're not it, and that's you usually freeing. And, and so, you know, the recognition that I, I've got these limits, and and uh, so just you know, how do I know? Someone said to me, how, how do I discern? You know. How, God's saying and doing, well, you know that you, I know his way, I, I kind of helps me is one, I know I need a certain amount of time with God. I need certain rhythms uh, in my life that I've got to, that I've got to just have in there. And that when I don't get the kind of being with Jesus that I need to sustain my doing for him, I'm out of whack. So that, that takes up a bunch of space. And then I'm married. I got Jerry. That takes space to have a marriage. That's a sign and a wonder for Christ. And we have four daughters. Their age is 23 to 33, but we're in a relationship with them. Uh, that's important. We have a couple of grandchildren. They're very important, obviously, and in-laws. Uh, and depending on your role, what God's got you in right now. So 
many of you are pastors or leading a, uh, a nonprofit, uh, or maybe perhaps you're you're leading a, a for-profit and you're uh, in leadership in some role in your company. Or, uh, those are all limits because you've got a responsibility that God's given you for the season of your life, and and that's all limits. And so it keeps you grounded to embrace it instead of like, oh, I want to get out of this leadership. Well, if God's got you in it right now, then be responsible in it. And and uh, but and then the recognition that other people are are limited, like you, except for not expecting them to be God either. It's a process. It is a slow process to see limits as a gift. I'll just hear it again. They're gifts and they're opportunities to recognize them. Now I've got to grieve. I, I would say that this has been the, the the greatest challenge for me in my relationship with God. All of my years has been embracing my limits, and part of embracing them is that sometimes you have you've got to grieve go through a process of grieving the sadness and the pain and disappointment uh, so that I can move to seeing them as a gift uh, and be faithful with God in that limits. And remember, let's say there's 7.2, 7.3 billion people on the earth right now, uh, and think of all of history, how many billions have lived. You're the only one like you. We have nobody on the earth like you. We don't want you to be anybody else. Uh the question you want to ask yourself is, are you living a life that fits your God-given nature, or are you trying to be somebody else? Uh, you know, like a candle maker is working with material and dripping in the vat. You know, I, I'm not steel. If you're working with steel, you can do certain things with steel you can't do with wax, you know, and, and that you're making candles with. And, and so instead of living by this illusion of what I ought to be or who I should be, I'm not living in reality. I, I want to move, and I want to invite you to move as well to who did God make me to be? That's a gift to the world because we don't have anybody else like you, and we need you. And so, part of discipleship, a key part, is 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 knowing yourself and and the limits, and uh, and doing that. So, like one limit, little limit. I mean, I uh, Jerry and I in our out of our marriage, every year we try to do a we go to somewhere we can learn or invest in our marriage. We're going to always be growing in our marriage because we made a vow 35 years ago this August, and we want to continue growing in it. So that's a limit to invest the time to have a, a a quality, passionate marriage that's out of our love for each other. We offer love to the world. Our, we see our we're birthing mother you know, children, not physical children right now, but spiritual children. But it flows out of our love, uh, our cup running over, and I just can't do it all. Uh, you know, and again, maybe you have cancer, or maybe you've got to learn some relational skills or some leadership skills. These are all limits because of what we bring to the table. But those limits are are God's opportunities out of which He's going to come. Uh, because you see, I want to encourage you about your limitations. Uh, there are they're not just opportunities; they're they're sources and moments of power and of miracles of, of of God moving. I mean, just think of people like Sarah, ninety years old. You know, God works so powerfully through limitations in Scripture of people, and then in our own lives. I mean, Sarah, Abraham, tremendous limitation, but but uh, God brings life out of death. I mean, Elijah's depression, his limits. Okay, God, you know, changed the you know changed the nation. I think of Jeremiah's depression, Hosea's bad marriage, and how God used him. Limits. Moses being eighty years old. Limits. He had, he had a speech impediment. I mean, the guy was this 
You know, here he was, Moses, with a speech impediment, and Timothy, you know, timid and, you know, fearful. And here he is in this, in this mess in Ephesus as a church, and God worked powerfully through him. And we can go on. The 12 disciples, I mean, they, I mean, God had to break them, but so limited Peter and James and John and Thomas. They limited and because God wants to show us, I work through limitations, but but, but part of the to, 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 of temptation is to stay grounded uh, and trusting God that he's going to work through them somehow for his glory. Uh, what made them great is they were aware of their limits. Now, it's interesting, two people who did not know their limits in Scripture were Samson uh, and Saul, who did not embrace their limits uh, and let it ground them, but rather got carried away, and we know what happened to them. I, I, again, I love Paul. You know, 2 Corinthians 12, Paul had a thorn in the flesh. It was a limit. Uh, we don't know exactly what that thorn was, physical, uh, something, you know, epilepsy or speech, his enemies, maybe some temptations, who knows, you know. Whatever it was, it was a thorn. It caused him enormous pain. Uh, yet he was a powerful instrument of God, and he asked God to get rid of it. Just like we ask so often, God, get rid of these limits. And God says no, because out of your weakness is not hindering you. Your weakness actually is is enabling me to use you as a vessel. You're setting people free. And God, wa- God wants me and God wants you weak, weak and grounded so that Jesus can rest on us. Uh, you know, I love that Paul says, I, you know, weakness is, is the door to the person of Jesus. And, and it's, I know this is the opposite of the world. And, and Paul speaks about experiencing a higher communion because of the gift of the limit of his thorn. When I'm weak, he writes, then I am powerful, that Christ's power might rest on me. And that's a word for his Shekinah glory. And for Paul, his badge of leadership was not the high revelations, was not his revelations of being in the third heavens. It was his sufferings. It was his weaknesses. uh, It was his limits. So staying grounded in the high stakes of leadership, friends, is no small things. So let me invite you to take a deep breath. Because your limits actually, there, there, are, there are opportunities and gifts from God in your limits. And we need you to stay grounded uh, in the warfare of leadership. There is a truth, I think a general truth, that the, the, the greater your leadership influence and impact, the greater scope and complexity of warfare you will find yourself in. But we need you to stay grounded and receive your gift of limits for Jesus' sake, for the world's sake, for for you, so that 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years from now, you're just faithfully walking with Jesus. You've become the woman, you've become the man that God intends, and your life is a gift to the world. Bless you. So let me invite you to uh, check out our website, uh, emotionallyhealthy.org. And there's, a, there's actually a, a free ebook that I want to make available to you. It's called Emotionally healthy, it's called Leadership Matters to a Discipleship that Deeply Changes Lives. And it's it's based on, uh, it's what I put together in these charts before I wrote the book, The Emotionally Healthy Leader. And one of these charts is called Planning and Decision-Making, and it talks about limits and how the standard way we lead in the in, in so often even in the church ignores the gift of limits, and we end up crossing them and end up in enemy territory. That's why this Matthew 4 text is so critical for us is to remember Jesus embraced the limits of the Father for him and did not, did not cross that line. He was, he was the second Adam, and he models for us by the Holy Spirit that we can actually embrace the limits and trust the Father to come through for us, and I promise you he will. And in this ebook, uh, you know, is, is a nice chart of 
embracing limits and emotionally healthy leadership and what it could do for your life. So I invite you to a free ebook, Leadership Matters. Uh, it's on our website. Just go to uh, check it out. God bless you, everybody. It's been great to be with you. And uh, may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine on you uh, for his sake. God bless you, everybody. Have a wonderful, wonderful day.